Good morning again. I remembered. So uh, that was, uh, I remembered, so that was good. Uh, we are doing a Belong class beginning November 26. Belong is a class that we offer to get you uh, more acquainted with our church and kind of what it means to be a part of our church. Uh, it's about a class about more than membership, but that's part of it. And uh, so if you're interested in that class, it takes place November 26, and then the following two weeks in December, and uh, it's at 10 o'clock right through these doors into the music suite room there, uh, and so we invite you uh, to be a part of that. You'll see more information coming out about that uh, before then, but it does begin the 26th, and I'd love for you to be a part of that and get to know more about our church. I teach that class. would love to get to know you more as well. Well, let's turn in our Bibles to Revelation 21. We're going to be in the second half of that passage today, in that book of the Bible today. We're going to look at verses 9 and following. And as John is in this passage, he sees a vision of a new city coming down uh, out of heaven, and it's in this new creation, this new heavens and this new earth and a new city. He's undoing all that had been done. He is remaking the world and everything in it in this passage. And the new city in this passage we see is representing a woman identified as the, the bride of Christ. This is the second vision John sees of a city that is also represented as a woman. And the first one we talked about Several uh, messages ago, as we were beginning to talk about the tale of two cities, and Jason introduced that several weeks ago, and we learned that the other city was not uh, the city Jerusalem, but the city Babylon, and she was represented as a prostitute. And so you have this very clear contrast. The city of the world, Babylon, Represented in harlotry, in pleasure, in, in living for yourself. And now you have this beautiful picture of this beautiful city descending from heaven, and it's the bride of Christ. Not a prostitute, not a, a person of uh, ill repute, a person of, of living the way that they want to, but now a person represented in white in the bride of Christ in righteousness. And that's what we see in this passage today, the, the corresponding visual picture of what is being remade and reorganized in this new creation, in this new city. Elsewhere in Scripture, the bride of Christ is what we are called the body of Christ, the church. Babylon was selfish, pleasure-seeking, wicked, consumed with sin. The new Jerusalem is saturated with the blood-bought bride of Christ. Those that are there, not of their own righteousness, but of the imputed righteousness of their groom. Christ Jesus. In this passage today, there are four beautiful truths about the new city that I think give you and I hope. 
especially it gives us hope because if we are a part of the throng of people who will inhabit this immaculate city, then we know these promises are for us. But it gives all hope because this moment has not yet come and there's still time for someone to profess Christ and to be counted among the bride of Christ represented in this passage. Would you turn in your Bibles and follow along with me in Revelation 21, beginning in verse 9. And if you're able, would you stand as we read this passage to honor God's word? Then one of the seven angels who had held the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came and spoke with me. Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. He then carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, arrayed with God's glory. Her radiance was like a precious jewel, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. The city had a massive high wall with 12 gates, Twelve angels were at the gates. The names of the twelve tribes of Israel's sons were inscribed on the gates. There were three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. The city wall had twelve foundations, and the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb were on the foundations. The one who spoke with me had a golden measuring rod to measure the city its gates and its wall. The city is laid out in a square. Its length and width are the same. He measured the city with the rod at 12,000 stadia. Its length, width, and height are equal. Then he measured its wall, 144 cubits, according to the human measurement which, is the, which the angel used. The building material of the wall was jasper. The city was pure gold, clear as glass. The foundations of the city wall were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first foundation is jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophorias, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst, the twelve gates are twelve pearls. Each individual gates was made a single pearl. The main street of the city was pure gold, transparent as glass. I did not see a temple in it because the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it because the glory of God illuminates it and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never close by day, because it will never be night there. They will bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those written in the name's book, in the Lamb's book of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And you may be seated. I know that was a little bit longer. Thanks for hanging with me there. But I want you to see how, how human language is unable to fully capture the beauty of this place, the beauty of this city. Yeah, a lot of words were said, but 
the human language struggles to address and to show the glory of this place, I again today will struggle to help you see it fully, but I hope that we get just a glimpse. And through that glimpse of this city and what the promises are there from God Almighty will spark in our heart this passion, this desire to live our lives for the one who gave us all to us and for us. There are four things that I think we see in this passage that I hope will help you to find that spark, joy and excitement from reading this passage of Scripture. And the number one is that God's people will be there. The city is a place, but it's also a people. Just as Babylon was represented by the people in the world, this city too is represented by a people called out from the world. A people that were just like the world, but made perfect and righteous because of their Christ, because of his blood. It's a people who Paul reminds us again and again in the letters that he wrote to the churches of the called out ones, the people that were saved as Gentiles and Jews, and he reminded them what they used to be like, what they used to live like, and now what they ought to look like and ought to live like. And you and I need that reminder again and again and again. Yes, we were once a part of Babylon, but God rescued us out of the depths of the muck and mire of Babylon and placed us into his holy city because he has made us righteous and able to be there, not because of our own righteousness, not because of anything good that we have done, but because we have placed our trust in him and he has brought us from death to life. He's brought us from darkness to light. And we get to be the inhabitants of this holy city one day in eternity because of nothing you and I have done, but because of what Christ did for you and for me to buy our salvation because of his righteousness, because of his death on the cross. Jesus has made us the bride of Christ. John, in this moment, is caught up in the Spirit. This angel speaks to him. This angel guides him. This angel says, hey, I want you to come and look at this with me. And in a similar way, in a similar way that Satan took Jesus to the precipice to look down on the cities of the earth, and he says, hey, all this can be yours if you would just bow down to me and Jesus says I only worship God but in this moment this angel takes John to this moment and sees this picture that was greater than the picture that Jesus saw of all the kingdoms of the world he sees this city this huge cubed city coming down from the earth and gets a great amazing picture of this place and it says in this moment that he's caught up in the spirit it says in this moment that the Spirit is filling him up, that he is carried away in the Spirit. Can I just say for a moment, can we just hone in on this passage for just a moment, on this phrase to be carried away in the Spirit? Can we just be uh, in this moment away uh, for just a moment that pull aside and let's, we'll get back to this idea of God's people. But do you know that God's people ought to have God's Spirit carrying them away calling them up into his power. 
why do I say this? Because I think sometimes, sometimes we are so, we can be so, and I want to be careful, we can be so dull and dry. Y'all, we're bud bought by Jesus, and the Holy Spirit fills us. We ought to be excited. We ought to be people of passion. We ought to be people that people notice something different about our lives. When we sing songs like holy, 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 we ought to be, uh, we ought to be caught up in the Spirit and sing these amazing truths with passion and zeal and excitement because we have the Spirit of God living in us. The Spirit of God seals us for this place. And John, in this moment, was carried away in the Spirit. I, you know what? I, I hope that one day somebody can say, you know what? Derek is carried away in the Spirit, you know? And maybe they just think he's a little weird. I know I grew up, I grew up a Baptist, and I get it. You know, I've been a Baptist all my life. But at the end of the day, the Spirit of God fills his people. And it ought to be exciting to us. It ought to, be, it ought to make a difference in our life. An angel shows him the vision of this amazing city, of, uh, this giant square, this giant cube, and this city is arrayed to represent the glory of God Almighty. It's not the rags of the Babylonian city. It's not... The city that was falsely arrayed itself in a provocative way. This is the city with rare gems adorning it, representing the brilliance of Christ. I'm reminded of a time a little over 16 years ago. Allison and I were engaged, well, we were dating. We were dating and we were, uh, you know, thinking about getting engaged. And so uh, I'm, I'm the kind of guy I want to do what you're supposed to do. And, uh, and so I'm researching rings. She and I went and shopped a little bit. And then I realized her taste in rings and was flabbergasted. It was a lot different than what I was prepared for. And so, um, and so I, um, she knows this. It's okay. So uh, I, I went back and crunched some numbers and just, it was one of those moments you just go out on faith, you know. Lord's going to figure out a way to do this. Uh, because I sure didn't have the means at the time. But I remember that time, they, they tell you to look for the four C's, right, in a diamond. You want to get a rare diamond. They're, the more rare, the more expensive, but the more, uh, the more precious, right? So I remember the four C's. Do you remember the four C's? It's cut, color, clarity, and carrot. And so you got to think about all these things. You know, it's so complicated, you know, why? You know, but it was but it was interesting, and I remember looking and found a diamond. It was it met all those uh, requirements, and that diamond, as much uh, rarity as possible, shows the physical value that you have, but it also shows relational significance. You know what? I wanted to do whatever I could to show Allison that I cared about her. And, that I loved her, and so I tried to find the best thing to do that with, to say, I care about this physical representation, but I care so much more about the relationship I have with you. And this is just a small token, really, 
to express that. Allison means the world to me, and her diamond represents that value in a way. She's far greater than the worth of the diamond, but you understand what I'm saying. And it's the same with how this city is adorned. It says it's adorned like a precious jewel. And then it tells us it's so clear. You know what it's saying, right? Because the clearer the diamond is, the more rare. Right? The, and so it's, it's clear. It has a clarity to it that is represented in nowhere else in the world. It's a city like a precious jewel. And it doesn't just represent the city, but it represents the person of Christ and how beautiful he is and how wonderful he is and how honored he is and how our love for him is arrayed and how his love for you and I is arrayed. The glory of Christ, the beauty of Christ, like a precious jewel means that you and I are dearly loved by this dear Savior, by this God Almighty. He loves you clearly and passionately and has given you everything that you could want in his presence in his glory and in this passage we see 12 mentioned many times even 12 multiplied 144 12 by 12 and we could get into all that and basically what he's particularly showing us is that on the city gates, the 12 tribes of Israel that represent God's promise, God's promises to his people through these 12 tribes, they are represented on the gates. And he tells us that the 12 apostles of Christ are represented in the foundations of the city. All these things are significant and perhaps Chuck Swan, Swindoll uh, caps, captured it the best when he says this. He says, thus the city will be the dwelling place of the united people of God, Old and New Testament believers, whose salvation rests on the completed work of Jesus Christ. Jesus values his blood-bought people those his completed work on the cross covers and welcomes in to be the bride of Christ to be the inhabitants of the city God's people will be there you and I if we've trusted in Jesus Christ as our savior if we've depended upon his salvation and his righteousness and no longer on our own righteousness and we've come to him in humility and said Lord not I but you not my life, but you, Christ. You, I must decrease, you must increase. Oh, Lord Jesus, would you save me? If that is where you and I have come, if you and I have trusted in Christ, then we will be there. We will be in this place. Can I say just for a moment that if you are not yet a blood-bought member of the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, then I believe you're here today to hear the truth of this word. That you would see the brilliance of what is found in Christ contrasted with what the world would have you believe is just as precious and it's not. It's, it'll leave you to, it'll lead you to destruction and that by the grace of God that he would speak into your heart today and that you would trust 
in what Christ did on the cross, and it would count for you. If you're here today and you've not trusted Jesus Christ, would you just today, and where, right where you are, maybe just pray a simple prayer. In fact, would everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? The message is not over, but no one said you had to wait to the end of it to trust in Christ as your Savior. And if you'd like to trust Jesus today, would you pray these words and truly mean them in your heart? You might pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I know you're a great Savior. Would you forgive my sins and would you help me to live my life trusting and what Christ has done for me. Would you take and cover my sins with your righteousness in Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed something like that today, you could tr you're trusting in Jesus today, I'd love to speak with you at the end of the service. You can uh, raise your heads now if you'd like. The second thing we see in this passage is that not only will God's people be there, but God's glory will be there. The city is arrayed with glory and there will be no need for light in this city because the light is emanating from Christ and God Almighty and it will illuminate the city. Can you imagine the Shekinah glory of God so predominant, so, uh, so immaculate that it lights every Every, uh, every possible thing up so you can see so, so clearly. I find myself, um, the, the older I get, the more my eyes need more light to see, right? And I guess it's, you know, 42, and it's just one of those things, right? And so we, we installed a, a new light. And, uh, it's one of those garage lights that have like four different things around it. And you kind of fan it out, and it's supposed to illuminate your whole garage, which it, it does. It's amazing. But I put that thing in my closet, man. It's for a, for a garage, you know, to light the whole thing up. But you would amaze, you know, it's amazing what I can see now in my own closet. Can you imagine the light emanating from Christ to light every possible corner of the city so that you and I can see so clearly? I imagine it's somewhat close to what Moses saw when Moses was uh, caught up in the presence of God as he's spending time with the Lord, as uh, he, the Lord is writing the Ten Commandments. And, and when he came down, he was so, he himself was so brilliant with this light that had emanated from God Almighty onto him that. The people were terrified, and they asked. He had to veil himself for a period of time until the glory wore off. And would you, would you, could you imagine what it's going to be like to be in the glory of God and to be it be emanating upon us and us shining it out as well as Moses did? Can you imagine the glory that caused Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration to fall? to fall down to the ground and worship because they saw Jesus in his unveiled glory. They got a glimpse of what this light was like and they automatically said, we got to start worshiping. Can you imagine? Day, day after day after day after day that the glory of God Almighty shining upon you 
compelling you and I to bow before him in worship, to give him all the honor and glory that's due his name. Can you imagine what it would be like? God's radiant brilliance shining on us always. And as God's glory is the presence of brilliant light, we're reminded of the contrast of darkness in Scripture. You realize throughout Scripture you see darkness and the light will fill it and the, light, the darkness will flee from it. But you don't see that in this passage. In fact, it says it's just day because there is no night. There is no darkness. And so the light is shining so bright that darkness must flee. It will no longer be a concern for you and I that darkness will be banished. But we need not wait. We need not wait for this moment in glory when the city comes down from heaven and you and I are in the Shekinah glory of God to see how beautiful He is and how brilliant He is and to get glimpses of His glory. You and I can experience the glory of knowing Christ today. You and I, like Peter, James, and John, can bow before the Lord today, worship Him, and glorify His name and ask God to show us His glory. His promise is that where two or more are gathered in His name, He is there in our midst. God's very glory and presence is here today. We don't have to wait. But in that day, His glory will be there. And the third thing we see is that God's city gates will never close. Why is this significant? Because our access to God's glory will never end. The city is always open. Activity is constant. And access to God Almighty is never hindered. And it never ceases. No more distractions. No more trial and trouble and difficulty remember last week we talked about he wipes away every tear no more chaos no more pain no more anything to distract us from the presence of God you and I will be with him and have constant access to his presence it never is hindered and it never ceases the fourth and final thing that we see is that God's cleansed peoples will worship him there it says there's no need for a temple because God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are the temple. And it says all the nations will be there, all peoples, all kings of the earth, a representative from every nation, tribe, and language, and they will be there because the Lamb will have cleansed them from their sins, and they will give Him all the worship and honor due to Him. And I pray, I pray not only are you and I counted among the throng, but I pray that the people that you and I are able to share with this year and in years to come, people from Lafayette, people from uh, Idaho that we may be partnering with, people from Argentina, people from all over the world will be able to say, I am in this, will be there with us in that city because you and I went to them and shared the gospel with them and helped them to find Help them to find the truth of knowing Christ. That what Paul said, that the mystery of Christ be made known among those that he was going to, that that would be the truth of you and I as well. That because of what God is doing in our hearts and our lives, as individuals and as a church, that there will be more and more 
and more people counted among the throngs of this new city, the bride of Christ. Would you pray with me? God, we, we do pray that you would help us, Lord, that we, would, that we would honor and glorify you with our lives, Lord, that we would walk with you, Lord, but we would recognize that, yes, we will have complete light that day, but, Lord, we have the light of your word today. We walk with Christ in light today as your scripture describes to us, Lord, that we can get glimpses of this glory even now by living our lives truly, fully dependent upon you. Lord, would you help us to do that? That is Peter, James, and John, when they got to see a glimpse of you and all your brilliance, Lord, they fell down and worshiped you, Lord. Would you help us? Getting to see a glimpse of this beautiful city. Lord, would you help us today to worship you? To be caught up in the spirit even in this moment, Lord, as we sing this song. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you are my God. Would you ha- inhabit the praises of your people, God? Lord, would you carry us? up in the spirit in this moment as we sing this praise to you. I pray you'll help us to do that, Lord. If anyone's here today and needs to trust you as Lord and Savior, I pray they have the courage to come. If they already prayed that prayer just earlier, Lord, would you give them the strength to come forward and to share that and to be prayed for, Lord? If they're not able to do that, Lord, help them to realize they can visit someone at our next steps table in just a moment as well as the service ends. Lord, we want to worship you. We want to glorify your name. We want to sing to you, Lord. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?